Good, fantastic. Well, uh, this is a long weekend, as you know, and uh, I've been in a series on heaven, and, and I just couldn't, I couldn't, you know, continue that today because of the long weekend, talking about work and kids being back in school, so uh, I thought I would do the opposite of heaven, hell, <laughs> which is work and school, right? I mean, really, are you with me? All right. Uh, so what I do want to talk about today is is work. I've got a couple of job descriptions for you and also talk about w- home because school has started back. So my, my sermon is entitled Homework. All right, Homework. And here we go. Y'all, y'all ready? The enthusiasm just left the room. So I'm talking about school and work and those are two things you don't want to think about today, right? Yeah, I got a different twist. Somewhere along the line I collected this. It's called the Parents' Job Description. Parents' job description. It applies if you're a grandparent as well. So, and if, if you're not, if you're thinking about becoming a, you know, just getting married or having kids, this, this may deter you. <laughs> the job description. It's great. Here it is. Position. All right. This is your title. Uh, mom, mommy, mama, dad, daddy, pop, whatever. Okay. Job description. Here, here it goes. Long-term team players needed for challenging permanent work in an often chaotic environment. Candidates must possess excellent communication and organizational skills and be willing to work variable hours, which will include evenings and weekends and frequent 24-hour shifts on call. Some overnight travel required, including trips to primitive camping sites on rainy weekends and endless sporting tournaments in faraway cities. Travel expenses not reimbursed. (laughs) Responsibilities, and here's the bulk of it, so listen up. Responsibilities, the rest of your life. Must be willing to be hated, at least temporarily, until somebody needs $5. Must be willing to bite tongue repeatedly. Also, must possess the physical stamina of a pack mule... And be able to go from zero to 60 miles per hour in three seconds flat in case this time the screams from the backyard are not just someone crying wolf, right? Must be willing to face stimulating technical challenges such as small gadget repair, mysteriously sluggish toilets, and stuck zippers. Must screen phone calls, maintain calendars, and coordinate production of multiple homework projects. Must have ability to plan and organize social gatherings for clients of all ages and mental outlooks. Must be willing to be indispensable one minute and an embarrassment the next. Must handle assembly and product safety testing for a half million cheap plastic toys and battery-operated devices. Must always hope for the best and be prepared for the worst. Must assume final, complete accountability for the quality of the end product. Responsibilities also include floor maintenance, janitorial work throughout the building, and of course, meal preparation. Possibilities for advancement and promotion. None. Your job is to remain in the same position for years 
without complaining, consistently retraining and updating your skills so that those in your charge can ultimately surpass you. Previous experience, none required, unfortunately. On the job training offered on a continually exhausting basis. Wages and compensation. You've been waiting for this part, haven't you? Wages and compensation. Get this. You pay them. (laughs) Offering frequent raises and bonuses. A balloon payment is due when they turn 18. Because of the assumption that college will help them become financially independent. Yeah. And when you die, you give them whatever is left. (laughs) Benefits. While no health or dental insurance, no pension, no tuition reimbursement, no paid holidays, and no stock options are offered... This job supplies limitless opportunities for personal growth, unconditional love, free hugs and kisses for life if you play your cards right. And there is no retirement ever. Well, that's one job description. Let's look at another job description. In fact, this one is found in the Bible. I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter 6. Uh, this is a job description for kids and also for parents, and in particular fathers. Okay, So we've got two different job descriptions going on here in Ephesians 6. I'm also going to throw in a couple of verses from the book of Colossians that pretty well coincide with what Paul is teaching in Ephesians. Here we are, Ephesians chapter 6. Verse 1, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. That's the kids' job description. Parents or fathers, verse 4, and you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath. But bring them up in the training and the admonition of the Lord. Let me throw in Colossians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. Verse 20, children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Then verse 21, fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. So here we have a job description for kids and a job description for dads. Uh, First, the commandment to the children, the job description for all of you children who are here today. Ephesians 6, 1, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Colossians 3, 20, children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. So first of all, who are we talking about? Who are the children? Now, some of you are thinking, oh, cool, Uh, those kids are back there with Brother Johnny. He's not talking about me, a teenager, or me, a preteen. He's talking about those kids and we worship. Well, the word for children here is an all-inclusive word. It can refer to a small child, a little baby, or someone in we worship. Or it could refer to a kid back there with Brother Johnny, or even a preteen, or yes, even you teenagers. Anyone still living in the home of their parents under their parental guidance. And what is it? 
Kids are to obey their parents in everything. <laughs> Bummer, <laughs> but that's what it says. Kids are to obey their parents in all things, in everything. Now, this word literally means to listen to and to obey. So, kids, you got to listen to what they say and then do what they tell you to do. You know, in the Old Testament, disobedience to parents was considered the same as rebellion against God. And it was severely punished. And in the New Testament, Jesus set an example for children by obeying his earthly father, Joseph, and his mother, Mary. So, children, obey your parents in everything. And teenagers, listen to me. It says obedience to your parents pleases the Lord. Hmm. Obey your parents not just because they tell you to. You obey your parents because it's pleasing to God when you do that. And not only that, this is connected with one of the big ten commandments. Paul says in Ephesians 6, 2 and 3, Honor your father and your mother which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you. Did you get that? <laughs> that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Kids, if you want to live a long time and have a great life, do what your mama tells you to do and your daddy. Reminds me of that quote from Big Mama. I brought you into this world. And I can take you out of this world. So there it is. Just You obey the Lord and your parents because it's pleasing to the Lord when you obey your parents. God has placed parents over children to have responsibility for them. The Bible teaches that in all of our lives, God has placed certain overseers over us. Of course, God is the supreme overseer to whom we are responsible and to whom we are to submit our lives to. And as a part of that, God desires that we submit to earthly overseers, starting with and including our parents. Listen, if a child doesn't learn to obey and to submit to their parents, they're going to have a hard time submitting to the other overseers that God places over us throughout our lifetime. Governmental authorities, law enforcement, teachers, and even bosses. So if kids miss this, they are in danger of missing God's best for their life. And let me tell you something, parents. Your kid is going to have a hard time throughout his life if they don't understand this submission thing. And if they don't submit first of all to you and then to God. Right? Children are to obey their parents in everything. Why? Because this pleases the Lord. So that's the job description to the kids. You kids, you obey your parents. It pleases the Lord. Now, parents, it's up to you to make sure they learn that. Don't, don't come back grappling and complaining because your kid's having a hard time later on in school or a hard time in life if you didn't lay this law down to begin with your job. Well, specifically, it's the father's job. That's the second job description, Ephesians 6, 4. And you fathers do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and the admonition of the Lord. 
And then Colossians 3.21, Fathers, do not embitter your children, or they will become discouraged. Now, I'm often asked this question from these two passages. Why is there only one of the parenting team mentioned here? Huh? I mean, we know that moms and dads have a shared authority over the children and they function as a team. So why in the world is God picking on dads? Huh? I mean, why is fathers specifically addressed in this passage? Well, as I thought about that, I think there's a couple of very obvious answers. First of all, it starts with the dads. Starts with you, men. There is a special role that the Bible gives to the husbands and to the fathers. Fathers bear a special responsibility for the spiritual and the moral life of their entire family. Look again at this verse in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath. Instead, bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. Now this is huge, so listen to me. I believe God has something much bigger in mind here. He's not just talking about parenting. There is something that God wants to happen in the heart of every child that a father has been divinely commissioned to do. And that is to give his child a good picture of how a heavenly father relates to them. You dads are modeling the heavenly father to your children. Every day through your actions, through the way you respond to them, the way you react to them, the way you train them, you are showing your kids a visual picture of what God's relationship to you is like. What a huge responsibility. And and the sad part is... A lot of dads aren't assuming that role. There are a lot of children who don't have a strong, loving father figure in their lives. According to uh, data from the Census Bureau taken in 2011, over 24 million children in the United States live apart from their biological fathers. That is, one out of every three kids in America don't have their dad at home. One of the real problems with that is, back in 1960, there's only 11% of kids not living in a home with their dad. So it's grown from 11% to 33% in my lifetime. And can I tell you something? That breaks my heart. And at the same time, it kind of ticks me off a little bit, too. And I I want to say something that I don't have in my notes, but I feel like God is wanting me to say it to you. If that is the home that you live in and you're a kid, it's not your fault. Don't blame yourself. And you can make it. Okay? It's going to be harder, but you can make it. There is another father who wants to come into your life and help take care of you. And he's the heavenly father. But the point of all of this, the reason God made the family in the first place, listen to me, dads, is for fathers to be active in the lives of their children. 
not inactive, and not absent. Why? Well, the bottom line is because God is present. God is active in our lives. As heavenly Father, He is active in our lives. And as earthly fathers, you are to be active in the life of your kids as well. Now, the Bible teaches that there is a right way for dads and, of course, moms to be engaged with their children. Let's look at that Colossian passage again. It says, Fathers, do not provoke, or some translations use the word embitter your children. The Bible is describing something that is really all too common. He says, Dads, don't provoke your kids. And the word means to provoke or to embitter or to irritate, or to pick at your kids. You see, there's a way that a father can act towards his children that will embitter them. You say, well, how does this happen? Well, it happens when you're constantly critical of your children. It happens when you constantly pick at the little stuff and you don't give encouragement. It happens when you discipline according to your mood. (laughs) And that's scary because most of you are never in a good mood. How do we know if this is happening? Well, it, it appears that way to your kid that you're just disciplining them because you hate them. That's what he's talking about there. Provoking and embittering them. When you discipline them in that kind of way, when you treat your kid in that kind of way, they think you're doing that because you hate them. I think it all comes back to this word discipline. The word discipline in the mind of some fathers simply means punishment. But that's not the whole idea. Discipline does include consistent punishment when children disobey the clear rules that you've set out. But you got to back up from there, and you've got to set the rules out in the first place. Boy, there has to be structure in your life and in your home. That structure and those rules come from this book. And your children need to be taught from a very early age, this is the way we're going to live in this home. It doesn't matter how your friends live their lives. And don't, I say this to my kids as they get, don't come to me and tell me, you you know, other kids, I don't care what other kids are doing. I'm not their dad. You set out the rules. And the consequences if you break those rules. And not only do the kids need to be clearly informed about that, so does your wife. Just comic relief. It was getting too serious in here, all right? All right, you with me? Ladies, you still with me? And you discipline your kids. I mean, the the Bible is full of instruction on this matter, you know? Uh, You spare the rod and you, you spoil the child. I've heard this before, and I think it's pretty good. The best way to straighten a kid out is to bend them over. 
Uh, you know, I said that in the first service. It didn't go over very well in that service either. But, yeah. but you know what? That's not all that discipline means. Listen to me and listen closely. Discipline means you teach them the right thing in the first place. Huh? And you applaud them and encourage them when they get it right. Hmm. Ephesians 6, 4, Fathers, do not exasperate your children, or as the King James says, provoke your children to wrath. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Paul is using a different word here than he does in, in the Colossians passage. He says that fathers are not to exasperate their children. The word means to provoke them to anger. There are a whole lot of angry young people in our world today because of the inconsistent, unloving way that dads and moms treated them as kids. And what happens when we as dads treat our kids in this way? What happens when we embitter them and provoke them to wrath? Well, Colossians 3.21 tells us they become discouraged. Hmm? Parents that constantly pick and criticize their children discourage their children by causing them to think that whatever they do isn't quite good enough. Don't we know that irritable and inwardly conflicted parents breed discouraged kids? Children who are fearful and discouraged, lacking in self-confidence, but more importantly, they're lacking in God-confidence. The word for discouragement is really an interesting word. It literally means to lose the fire. Bad parenting puts out the fire in the heart of a kid. It quenches the fire of confidence in God. So, listen to me. Let's not be the kind of father or parents who raise up that kind of a kid or person. Instead of putting the fire out, let's light that fire. Instead of being discouraging to our kids, let's learn how to be encouraging. Now, I, want to, I just want to stop right here and, uh, and, and tell you guys uh, that I am far, far away from being a perfect dad. No, I don't even come close. And so I'm not this perfect dad up here barking out orders telling you other dads how to do it. That's not the case. I, I, am, I am just a human dad struggling with the same kind of struggles the rest of you struggle with, trying to be the best possible dad I can be to three great kids and using my heavenly father as an example, okay? So don't get me wrong and don't think I've got it all figured out. I don't. We're in this struggle together. But there is a benefit to being a little older as a dad. See, right now... I should have all my kids raised and have grandkids. But I still got a kid in junior high school. Okay? I, when we go to a sporting event, guess who the oldest dad is? <laughs> you know, it, it kind of has its benefit. It, it, is, it has taught me to, to kind of sit back and keep my mouth shut. 
And again, don't misunderstand me. I'm not perfect. I'm, this is just an observation that I've had through the years. When I've been at sporting events and seen kids playing sports and their parents becoming more involved in the game than they are with their kid. And trying maybe, and I'm, I'm, maybe, I'm getting way over here when I say this, maybe trying to relive their life through their kid's life. And putting undue pressure on those kids and being very critical to those kids. It's not fair. And some, listen to me. Here's how imperfect I am. Sometimes I, I get caught up in all of that. And sometimes I blow my stack and I say things. And when I do, oh, she cuts her eyes at me. I get that look like, ooh. Ooh, buddy, you better back up there. And I, I know I've gone beyond my limits, and I do. I shut up. But I've seen it happen. Jason, I've seen it happen. Little kids out there, you know, they're good little athletes, and they step up to the plate to bat, and they swing, and they miss, and, you know, nobody says anything except Dad. What are you doing? I mean, the kid's a third grader. You don't swing your curveballs. The kid just freaking out. You know, I'm. You think I'm joking? I ain't joking. And the first thing that kid does when he misses the ball is he turns around and looks at his dad because he knows it's coming. You know what? I've seen the same little kid, and I'm thinking of a little kid. I've got him on my mind. I've known him for a long time. I'm thinking of the same kid. When his dad is not in the stands, he can crank it, baby. He doesn't have that pressure. That, 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 that critical mass is not behind him. So, you know, my point is this. Instead of parenting in such a way that discourages our kids, we need to parent in a way that encourages them. We all know how, how powerful encouragement is. You can go a, a long way just with an encouraging word, can't you? On the other hand, just one discouraging word can set you back so much that you, you just want to give up altogether. Right? That doesn't change. Man, I told the first service, 599 of you can walk out of the building today and say, Pastor, that was a great sermon. It was awesome. Just one of you. That was that stunk. That was that, you didn't study on that. That was horrible. What are you doing? Runs my day. Won't be able to get a nap today if you do that. That's my problem, not yours, huh? I love what Mark Twain said. I can live for two months on one good compliment. Hmm? Discipline them, yes, but build them up. Build them up. Well, I'm going to end with just five quick things because I, I believe every kid needs this. These are five things every kid needs. And this is the Labor Day sermon, homework. Here's your homework. Okay, you with me? Here's your homework. Every child needs these five things. They need to leave home, first of all, with a pure body. Well, we not only need to provide them with the essentials to have a strong, healthy body. We need to teach our kids that it is God's will for them 
to remain sexually pure, saving themselves for their marriage partner. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You have been bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. We need to teach and model the importance to our kids from abstaining from the use of drugs and alcohol or anything that could destroy their body. Now, here's something I really don't need to say to the parents and grandparents in this room. I know I don't need to say this, but I wrote it down, so I'm going to say it anyway. Parents and grandparents, we need to think seriously about the mixed signals that we send to our kids and our grandkids when they, we tell them they can't do something and they see us do it. it it's a mixed signal when, when we tell our kids, you kids don't smoke, and then what do we do? We smoke. You kids can't watch that kind of show on TV. And then they walk in the room and who's watching it? I don't want you kids drinking alcohol. And they, they catch you drinking alcohol. We've got to model it in front of them. And can I tell you something? If you're a hypocrite, if you're a fake, if there's something in your life that doesn't add up, the people who know about that are the ones who live in your home. I've, I've told this story before, but I just thought of it, and I shouldn't tell it, but my mom's about to have a birthday, so I want to use her as an illustration today. When I was a little kid living at home, you know, I've told you about the long phone cord that she had on her phone that Dad extended. It was great. She could walk all over the house and talk on the phone. When I was a little kid, that, that was part of her duty every day is to clean the house and talk on the phone, you know? Uh, my aunt, my aunt Dora, she'd talk to her. She'd talk to her best friend, uh, Olivia Paget, and they'd talk for hours and just other people in church. They, you know, it was a prayer request line. They'd share prayer requests, stuff like that. And I was looking, I can remember vividly, I can remember that I was just a little kid, oh, four or five years old, and I was, I was in the, the living room and I was playing with my Lincoln Logs. Anybody remember Lincoln Logs? I'm having good memories right here, man. I was, I was building this fort, playing with these Lincoln Logs, and she was on the phone, and, and she started the laugh. It was her fake laugh. She had, listen, my mom had this fake laugh that she'd give, and she'd give that, that fake laugh, and, and I, I said, you're faking it, you're faking it. Remember me doing that? The fake laugh. She is going to kill me. It's her birthday, so I'm just, you know, I'm lifting her up. It's her birthday. But, you know, th there it is. If anything, anything in your life that it, your kids know it, she's gotten over the fake laugh. Let me tell you. Those of you, all right. Don't send your kids these mixed signals. Let them leave home with a pure body. Second thing they, they need from you is a strong mind. Those, those minds need to be taught to think and think truth. Your kids need to be taught to think truth because they're going to hear a lot of lies out there in the world and their minds need to be filled with truth when they're young, when they're teenagers, when you have them in your home. Romans 12, 2, 
Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your minds that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And then in Mark 12, 30, Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. So before you send them out of the house, make sure they have a strong mind. Number three, make sure they have a great vision. Our kids need more than just dreams of the good life. And I think for a lot of us, that's all we're pushing, even Christian parents. We're pushing our kids to get a good education so they can get a good job to make a lot of money. Let me tell you, there's more to it than just that. There, there is a bigger vision out there. There is a dream. Listen to me. There is a dream that God has placed within the heart of your child. A big dream from a big God. God created your child to do something specific in His kingdom. And part of our jobs as parents is to help our kids discover what that big dream is and then pursue it to completion. So when they leave your home, they need a good grasp of that great vision. Number four, they need a deep spirit. The spirit is the part of our being that connects with God. And from the earliest days, we must enlarge that connection between our child and his God. I love this verse in Luke chapter 1 verse 80. It's about John the Baptist. It says, And the child, John, grew and became strong in spirit. Wow. Let me tell you, it doesn't say it in the verse, but I know his mom and dad had a lot to do with that. He became strong in spirit. And then number five, what your kids need is a faithful heart. We really want to raise children who will make Psalms chapter 40, verse 8, their guiding truth in life. What does Psalms 40, verse 8 say? I desire to do your will, O oh my God. So more than anything else... Our children desire to do the will of God. Now, I realize I've been kind of pointed in my preaching this morning and that maybe really only a third of us in this room are actually fathers. And I also realize that as you've listened to this, there may be some of you that have sadness in your heart. Sadness in your heart because you haven't been a father like this. Or sadness in your heart because you didn't have a father like this. But no matter what kind of father you have been or what kind of father you have had, I want to remind us all today that there is a perfect father in heaven whose love overshadows all of us. And this father in heaven offers his fatherhood to anyone and everyone who will accept his gift of adoption into his family by putting their trust in his son, Jesus Christ. Let me say it another way. God wants to adopt you. <laughs> God the Father wants to become your father. How does he do that? He engrafts you or he adopts you into his family when you place your faith and your trust in his son, 
Jesus Christ. So have you done that? I mean, he's the best father ever. My, my mom and dad are great. I love my mom and dad. They're excellent parents. They have been and they still are. You know, one of the reasons I think my dad was such a great dad is because he understood what it meant to model that fatherhood. My dad taught me about my heavenly father through his being a dad. But as great as my dad and my mom are, the best is in heaven. Heavenly father's perfect. He wants to be your father. He wants to bring you into his family. He wants to adopt you. Have you received that gift? If not, I invite you to come this morning. We'll show you how you can become a member of God's family today. If you're a child of God and you're away from God, kind of like that prodigal son, would you come home today? He'll embrace you and welcome you home. But you've got to come home. And then, most importantly, for all of us who are here, I think this is an excellent Sunday, this Labor Day weekend, as school just now has gotten back in session, that we come to the altar and we pray for our families. Parents, you pray for your kids. Grandparents, you come and pray for your kids and your grandkids. You have absolutely no idea the struggles those kids are going through in this day and this time. So come and undergird them. Pray as, oh, Brother Charlie Wagner in our first service prays, that, that a hedge of protection would be built around those kids and that they would be kept from the devourer, Satan, who wants their souls. So dads, be a dad. Be a man. <laughs> Bring your family to the altar today. Pray as a family. Pray for one another. You know what? When you finish praying for your family, there are plenty of families in this church that you need to pray for. And so listen to me. Some of you guys, some of you men, don't just be a dad to your kids. You be an example and a dad to some of these kids in our church who don't have a dad at home. That's part of your churchmanship. Pray about that this morning, would you? Heavenly Father, I pray that you would speak to each heart from the children who are here to our teenagers to our moms and our dads and our grandparents. Thank you for these job descriptions you've given us and a chance today to look at them. I pray that we would accept and assume the responsibility that you've given to us. Lord, I don't know, there, there may be a kid here today that needs to come and pray and ask for forgiveness because they, they haven't been obeying and doing as their mom and dad have asked them to do. Along with that, maybe they need to talk to their parents about that. I know there's some dads who need to come and pray today, asking you for help to be the kind of dad you want them to be. Lord, it's my prayer that families would come and ask for your grace to be poured out on their homes. However you lead, I pray that we would listen and that we would obey. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand?